everyone, and welcome to episode 198 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a fun cast this week. We do have one of our normal co-hosts in Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's up? Uh, not much. Excited to talk some magic, but... The exciting thing about this cast is we have a special guest co-host who you might have seen on the YouTube channel doing some free-to-play fish and other stuff, and that is Krim. How's it going today, Krim? Going great. How's it going, Seth? Uh, it is going super well. So we want to have Krim on the cast, and today we're going to talk about the normal stuff, some Ultimate Masters, uh, some Magic Arena stuff, some Fish Mail, but we also wanted to have Krim on and do a little bit of uh, Magic Origin stuff uh, as a kind of introduction to everyone to Krim, because he's been making videos for a couple weeks now, and no one really knows who Krim is, and it gives us a chance <laughs> as well to kind of rehash some questions, like, I get asked where does Saffron Olive come from all the time and stuff like that, so we're going to go over some of that stuff today and have some fun, which is going to be super exciting, so that's that's the plan for today. Our magic origin stories, ultimate masters, maybe some arena and artifact stuff in fish mail. So before we jump into it, a reminder that the sponsor of today's show is spikesacademy.com, the only e-learning academy to improve your magic the gathering skills. Visit their website after the show and enjoy their Black Friday week with 40% off from November 19th until Cyber Monday on the 26th. Don't miss the opportunity to learn from Reed Duke and PVDDR for 40% off. So thank you so much to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And with that out of the way, let's talk some magic origin. So, Richard, <laughs> I, I think you're probably a good person to go first here because uh, you are the originator of MTG Goldfish. So everyone's going to be wondering not only how Goldfish came about, but how did you get involved with magic? Because if you never got involved with magic, uh, none of this would be happening, uh, presumably. So, Richard, how did you first start playing magic? All right. Decades. Literal decades ago. <laughs> I actually don't remember how I started playing Matt. I think, so if, if you re- I don't know, this is going to show my age a lot. Well, I guess the set is going to show it immediately. But back in the day, okay, everyone liked <laughs> X-Men, okay? X-Men was on TV. <laughs> if you remember the cartoon, right? With like Wolverine and Rogue and stuff like that. So I was like, really? Intro. What's X-Men? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So <laughs> X-Men. Anime. We, we, I watched a lot of X-Men and then there was a card game for, for Marvel called Overpower. Okay. And, uh, I don't remember the rules and I'm pretty sure we didn't actually know how to play the game, but you had heroes and you would play them and it was kind of like magic. So we, we played that with my group of friends. And then one day someone brought in a magic deck and they're like, Hey, this is other card game and you get to play with demons and stuff. And we're like, Oh, <laughs> demons, dragons. <laughs> So we started playing Magic, and then it, it just kind of took off, and we were playing Magic in the schoolyard. I remember people were selling cards. I don't know how old we were, like maybe like 10 or something, and then the teachers banned selling cards. So uh, finance started at a young age, but I played, I played all the way till high school, and then after high school, I sold all my cards dumb move oh. so oh, uh so I, I was playing around you know ice age fourth revised so i never had dual lands but i had a lot of spicy cards like force of will uh lion's eye diamond used to be a terrible card we used to proxy over it uh regrettably <laughs> wastelands was a common thing back then because we played a lot of tempest sold all those cards played a bit in college again when i found out some of my college friends played magic like yeah we played magic so i came back 
that's when I learned how to play Magic for real, where I read articles about aggro, mid-range, and, you know, knowing, knowing how to actually play. And then after college, didn't play for a while. Fast forward to work, one of my work friends dug up his old Magic cards and said, hey, there's a new set coming out you want to go to pre-release and that was Innistrad so I started playing again at Innistrad and then from Innistrad until now I've been playing continuously and a few weeks in uh to you know my, my newfound magic career I was trying to figure out the price of cards the price of decks uh you know how to play magic cheaply for magic online and that led me to create MTG Goldfish and then it kind of spiraled out from there but so I gotta, I gotta ask, when you created Goldfish, were you thinking, oh, this is gonna be like my thing, my career, or was this just like, I wanna know what these prices are, probably no one else will use this, but I wanna have access to it. The EV of Goldfish was like $10. I was trying to save like a couple bucks, <laughs> you know, building my magic on. I'm like, you know, I know when a set releases, prices go up and prices go down, but by how much, right? Because I got, I got absolutely wrecked. Uh, so when I started, I started playing again during a new set release, right? So, uh, I didn't know at the time, but prices are super inflated. So I paid, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks for, uh, Stromkirk Noble. <laughs> right? And I thought that was just normal. I didn't, I didn't know prices were expensive. I was like, yeah, I need a magic deck. I'll just buy these cards and here we go, right? And then it tanked and I'm like, oh, geez, there's actually stuff going on here. And then that's when I learned about, you know, real magic finance and, you know, how prices are inflated on set release and things like that. So I figured I should track all of that, you know, so I'd be better prepared the next time around. So. So that's where all of the, the price tracking and things like that came from. Interesting. Well, uh, let's move on to Krim. Krim, uh, first off, before we hear about how you started playing Magic, I got to ask about the name. Where does the name Krim come from? <laughs> also, if anyone has seen your stream, you go by Asian Avengers. So we get like two names that we get to hear the origins of. So tell us about <laughs> the names. <laughs> okay, so Krim comes from the fact that uh, in my group of friends, like back in middle school, there's like a million, like <laughs> this is where it goes deeper into the rabbit hole. There, uh, there's a million <laughs> David Nguyen's. And so we all use, we like there was like actually like three or four in my group of friends. So we just used our AIM screen names or at least <laughs> chopped off part of it. So Krim was part of mine because that came from an anime I liked. Wait, 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 what anime is this? Dot hack sign. <laughs> I've watched so, like, that. I don't even remember Krim. Man. He's he's the gigantic blue haired dude with the, the, like wore no shirt all the time, I guess. Wow, we got the real doctor anime here. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Asian Avenger just comes from the fact that I've I've like I love superheroes related like superhero related things. Marvel I guess a little bit of DC, uh, but, but mostly Marvel and a few other things like Dark Horse and all all these other things, so <laughs> That's where that came from. And it's just like, well, you know what? I'm there there are many Asian Avengers. I'll be the Asian <laughs> Avenger. <laughs> that's, uh, wait, wait, wait. that's the origin of Who's your favorite superhero? Superhero specifically is Doctor Strange. Alright. Franchise. <laughs> I don't know, you said uh, specifically, like, so I'm I am i am assuming it changes if we change oh, the scope well, of it. Well, yeah, if you go, like, which is your favorite, like, vigilante or, like, villain. Oh, or wow. Like wow. This is too hardcore. All right, I'm going to go for an easy one. Seth, who's your favorite superhero? Uh, I was hoping you would not ask this, Richard. We've been over this many times. I don't really read comics or watch superhero movies. Um, oh. uh, 
Wolverine. I know who that is. I played I played a game with him in it once. I'll go with that, I guess. Is that even a superhero? That's a, that's a thing, oh right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I guess. Okay. Score. That's my favorite then. Wolverine was actually my favorite growing up because I really liked X-Men. Gambit. I, I love me some Gambit. Oh. They, yeah, they canceled about throwing the movie, cards. Right? They canceled the movie. Yeah, well, right? they put it on. They put it on ice. I think. Yeah, yeah for, the, for right now. Had <laughs> Channing I mean, Tatum. I may or, or may like not that. have tried to throw cards as a kid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I tried that too, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Mine always just like flew backwards and like hit me. It's, it's like actually that. doable though. It's like a real skill and a real thing that people do. Like if you search YouTube, there's people throwing cards like Gambit. It's like actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's a real thing. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> so, Crib, we heard we heard about the name Origins. How about your magic origins? When did you start playing? What first brought you into magic? Uh, so it was also around the time of middle school where a ton of my friends we we were playing like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, all this other stuff, and we always there, we always like went to the our like LGS. And there, they would also hold magic tournaments there. They were mainly a magic store. And I just could never, ever understand, like, what all these cards were. But then one day, my friend brought it like, a bunch of starter decks because I guess his mom bought him a bunch of them and just brought it to the cafeteria. And we just read the rule book. And I created a, a horror, like, creature type deck. So it was around Odyssey, I believe. It was, like, tabletop style. And just, yeah, I put, I put like childhood horror. I had Psychotog in there. I had some good cards. <laughs> and then like, there was like a nine mana nine, nine. I always forget its name. It's like devouring something from invasion. Strassus? Something like that? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. It was just, I remember the art was so cool. So edgy, you know, middle school me <laughs> loved it. <laughs> and it was just a nine, nine with trample. And of course you had to sacrifice something on your turn or else you had to sacrifice <laughs> itself. And like that was the start of magic for me. And then I, I guess I got my first real deck when Astral Slide came around. I saved all my lunch money and then I would buy Exalted Angel. (laughs) Like that. That's the only way I could afford it. So I would just like kind of like mooch off my friends, like Fruit Gushers and all this other stuff. <laughs> and then just buy like, yeah, the Exalted Angels. And it, it was the coolest card in the world. Of course, Exalted Angel now is like a dollar. So, <laughs> uh, and yeah, like I, I loved the Astral Slide deck and I played all the way up until I think the second Kamigawa block. And I th- and then after that I got really tired of <laughs> of that block and I came back uh, with was it Mirrodin right after or no hold on what was right after Kamigawa block Mirrodin was right after yeah. Kamigawa yeah it, was, yeah it was Mirrodin okay then I came back after for Mirrodin and then I've kind of just played since then. Sweet. So you've been playing for a long time consistently. Richard had the, you had a long gap, right? Like you played in the early days, but then you didn't pick it back up again really until all the way to Innistrad? Yeah, there there are sets I don't understand. Uh, like Onslaught, <laughs> Legion, like I don't know any Onslaught. cards aside from, you know, the modern staples from, from those sets because I, I just didn't play Magic during that time. So I, I don't really know, you know all the cards until Innistrad 4. Like, random uncommon, I'll know Innistrad 4, but random uncommon from Kamigawa? No idea, unless we played it on Commander Clash. 
<laughs> uh, well, like, I have. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Greg. Oh, yeah, I was. Gonna, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I guess I never thought about it, but like all the fetch lands and all that during onslaught block, all that stuff was like pretty, pretty exciting to look back at. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I really, I really like polluted delta and all this other stuff. Could never afford it though. <laughs> so, <I'd, laughs> was it expensive like, immediately? It w- well, I mean, it was. Got to keep in mind, it's like a middle schooler. It's like, why do I want to pay twenty dollars for this? Like, like it, it just, it shoots, like, it hurts me for one and gets an island or a swamp. That, <laughs> like, that's, that's not that's cool. That's pretty you expensive. Know was, $20 for yeah. even back then. Yeah. I, I remember thinking, it, like, dual lands were, like, I don't know what they were, like, five bucks or whatever, ten bucks. And we're like, wow, ridiculous. We'll just mana weave instead. <laughs> and that's what we literally did, right? It's like, yo, don't shuffle, don't shuffle too hard, you know? Like, don't, don't mess up the mana. Because we all played 60 card decks with 20 lands. And our curve was like Sarah Angel upwards, right? It didn't make any sense because magic theory was not known. <laughs> but that's how we played. And, you know, no one valued any dual land. It was like Shiv and Dragon, Sarah Angels, Mahmaidijins, like all those bombs. And you, you just don't want to waste any time looking at Black Lotus, Moxin, all, all this missed opportunity to be so rich now, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, those cards aren't, aren't cool, like, right? Like, as, as, as I said, like, Devouring Strauss or whatever, I, I never even actually got to cast that 90% of the time. It's always just in my hand because I had, like, 18 lands or something like that, playing a Delver mana base. <laughs> and it... <laughs> So I definitely understand that. And that that's why uh like it was like Exalted Angel was cool and like Grinning Demon, which was like so cool that I ended up like tattooing it to myself. <laughs> like that that card is just I don't know. I mean, is a four mana six six that hurts you for two at your upkeep still good? Would you consider that still playable? Um maybe I mean it, it might be. It's close. It's close. It's, it's not atrocious. You could think about it. But I don't think it's good yeah. enough. Right. Maybe a couple of years ago would be good enough. I don't know about now. But what if I throw in morph? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, so you have a, a grinning demon tattoo? Yeah. I I have it on my forearm. It, it was the it's actually my first tattoo. Ooh. Awesome. <laughs> How long after you started playing with the car did you tattoo it to yourself? Uh obviously seventh grade. Uh <laughs> 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 um, I I <laughs> I waited until I was eighteen, so I don't know. I guess like twelve years later, even though I knew at that point is like, yo, this card is not good, but I do love it. That, so that, I'm gonna that makes get a sense because I forgot you started playing. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 were the edgiest seventh grader there was. <laughs> I mean, my mom did take me to get my lip pierced, which is the most punk rock thing you could do, right? <laughs> Have your mom take you to like. <laughs> your, your mom is uh, very very understanding. <laughs> my mom would just beat me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like even as an adult, even like today, she would just come over and beat me. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I have kind of the exact opposite (laughs) story of both of you as far as starting playing Magic. I didn't play Magic when I was a kid at all. In fact, I didn't, I don't even know if I knew what Magic was until I was in college. And then one of my roommates in college, uh, we were really good friends and it was super, uh, 
part of a big group of friends. And then one of my best friends out of nowhere randomly, and we were all like kind of art music-y type people playing in bands and doing that stuff. So all of a sudden, one of my friends showed up with this big box of magic cards that he got out of his mom's basement or something. And then uh, it was very strange. Like it was very not at all part of the scene that we were hanging out in. So for a long time, even after the card showed up, I would watch other people play, but I was like, uh, I don't know if I can actually do this. Uh, I think it's probably like nerdy. What are people going to think? <laughs> so, so it took me like six months of like watching other people play before I finally, like, I think one day when no one else was around, I was like, all right, show me how to play this game. And like was looking over my shoulder, like, hopefully no one like in my band walks in right now. I don't know what they think about this. And then after, so I started playing like these secret magic games. And then eventually I was just like, oh, this game is really awesome. And I had played uh, strategy games when I was growing up, things like uh, Axis and Allies, and uh, I love those type of games. So it had a it had this strategy element to it. And I also love poker. So it reminded me of some of the games I did play growing up, as well as like mixed in with poker. So I immediately became addicted to it. And eventually, I was going to pre-releases and just like stopped caring and stopped worrying about it and just completely embraced the magic aspect of it. And that was around, I guess, a original Ravnica, I think was the first set that I really played with, although most of the cards were slightly older than that, like Mirrodin Kamigawa era was like most of the collection of cards, so that's how I eventually started playing Magic. As far as the name, some of you probably heard this before, but uh, I had a neighbor who... (laughs) was this a very drunken Vietnam veteran. And from the very day I moved in next to him, he called me Saffron. And I have no idea why he called me Saffron. I will never, never understand why that was what he chose to call me. But eventually, like, all of my friends started calling me Saffron as well. So it kind of became my nickname. And then the Olive part, uh, one of the bands we were in at one point was called Olive Drab and the Etcetras. And one of the, it was like the sixties <laughs> mod band. And one of the gimmicks was everyone's last name was Olive. Like we were all related and we dressed in like the sixties suits and had the Beatles haircuts and stuff. It was, it was interesting. So that's how Saffron Olive came to be. And then it eventually became my Reddit name. And that's how I ended up meeting Richard. And in the early days of Goldfish, uh, when we first started doing articles, the idea was, Goldfish was kind of like tied to Reddit to some extent, like a place where uh, you would have more tools, but it was kind of based on that, right, Richard? Wasn't that your original idea for articles and stuff was kind of to pull from Reddit stuff? Yeah, the, the idea was anyone could submit anything. <laughs> so like Reddit, right? Like anyone can post, right? So in the beginning, anyone could post any article they want on Goldfish. And then we quickly changed that <laughs> to curating content, uh, you know, that we think is is the best, right? So I, I guess I am the manual person uploading things, right? But that that's what we shifted to, to to kind of you know showcase things we think are cool or things are popular or things like that. So and then Seth did such a bang up job on Reddit. I remember reading some of his posts on Reddit. So I invited him to write on Goldfish. He wrote on Goldfish. It was pretty good stuff. And then I wanted to do YouTube videos. So I, I actually made the first budget magic. If, if, uh, <laughs> any goldfish historians are out there, you can pull up the original goldfish videos and it's me on there. Hold on. I don't know. And then that. I was <laughs> like, Hey, Seth, do you want to make videos? And Seth was like, I guess. So he started making videos. And if you pull up those videos, he sounds like a totally different person as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, it took me a while to yeah. adjust to recording and kind of find my voice a little bit, I think. But then eventually <laughs> he became Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. And yeah. Oh, and that's, how did that, that's that. how did that come about? Why are you probably think- better known? <laughs> As Saffron Olives. I believe that I, that's just what I happened to say for the first video I recorded <laughs> as I was introducing myself because I knew like uh, I'm Seth, but everyone that knew my articles and stuff knew me as Saffron Olive. So I wanted to make sure there was any confusion. So I, I went with that and now I can't get away from it. I tried once and the comments were, they were brutal. <laughs> I can, I cannot drop the probably better known as Saffron Olive. <laughs> it would kill, it would kill the YouTube channel in one video. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool though. i didn't know you played uh played music what did you play uh so originally when i was a kid i learned uh i took piano lessons and learned piano and keyboard and then as i was a teenager i taught myself guitar and a little bit of bass too so i kind of bounced back and forth depending on uh, on the band that i was in between playing guitar and playing keyboard i believe none of this uh-huh. i believe none of this due to the jingle bells <laughs> did you hear about this crim on like I don't no. know. Four podcast episodes <laughs> the ago, jingle bells? we we did the spoiler for the Watsy Holiday promo. What was okay. it? Bah humbug, right? And there, there, there's there's like music notes on the bottom. So I'm like, Seth, what do they say? Like, you, you know, music. And Seth is like, Oh yeah, they don't say anything. It's just it's just some random notes. And then apparently it's like jingle bells down there. So I, the YouTube comments got at a, us. <laughs> and I'm like, I was Seth, looking why would you for a code word. <laughs> I thought they were going to spell something out, like Happy Holidays or something. Yeah, but, they spell uh, yeah. out music, Seth. It's <laughs> well, <laughs> can, wait, can you read sheet music? Uh, I can. I, I learned that. It's been a long time oh, since I piano, did it yeah. consistently. But yes, I did I did learn all that. So, But it, it is true. I, if you type <laughs> Olive Drab and the Etcetras into YouTube, you can actually find old videos of at least that band. I don't know what other if any of the other ones have videos, because it was a while ago. But, but there is proof oh, out there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Cause I guess I guess the Goldfish Band can get started soon, right, Richard? Because if I play guitar, oh, you, do, do you play guitar <laughs> too? Like guitar, guitar yeah, hero. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, actually, <laughs> I I'm actually really bad at guitar hero. <laughs> I was, but I actually do play guitar. That's, 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 uh, what, so like, before I did all of this, I also, I kind of come from a music background. I, I played in a band, uh, traveled a lot, uh, and, like, played for a major label act and stuff like Ooh. that. And so that's, that's, cause I, I, growing up, I actually wish I learned piano. Uh, I told my dad it wasn't, quote unquote, punk rock enough. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and then, and then I got older. I was like, yo, I would have such a, a better understanding of like music if I actually played piano. Yeah. Pan- piano like forces you to learn music theory to some extent. So it actually, even if you never played it, it, it would actually be really beneficial, I think, for pretty much anyone interested in music. 100% agree. It's so useful. It's so useful. <laughs> All right. So if this magic thing doesn't work out, we'll start a new band. Uh, Krim, Richard, you're Krim singing? can change his name to like Crimson Olive. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what I would do. I am not musically inclined have, at all. I, I would have, I would be like your promoter. You're just gonna person. sing the <laughs> the guy that drives your no, bus dude, around. I'm sure. I'm sure you have a killer voice. I'm sure you have a killer I'll voice. I'll be the bus you driver. Just don't want to show it. And uh, we'll we'll tour around. 
So before we, before we move on, Richard, have you ever had a nickname? I've always just known you as Richard. Uh, we have Crim, we have Saffron Olive, we have Asian Avenger. Are there any Richard nicknames <laughs> we should know about? Nope. No. Nope. Rich. <laughs> it's just always been Richard. Rich. Richard. Rich. <laughs> hey, you. No, never had a, never had a nickname. Interesting. Well, we'll have to come up with something. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to... <laughs> trying to think on a tank on it like a name but <laughs> all right throw throw, throw your suggestions in the comments <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with yes, the name give, give richard a nickname Gen- gendered <laughs> gendered <laughs> they, they, that's not gonna stick actually it doesn't roll off the tongue <laughs> all right so we're gonna we're gonna have to move on to our other stuff but before we go real quick uh everyone favorite magic color favorite card uh richard black liliana the veil Ooh, actually, wasn't Goldfish originally named Liliana? Yes, it still is named Liliana. <laughs> <laughs> like, half the files are called Liliana. It makes no sense. But Liliana was my first introduction to Planeswalkers. I actually opened a foil Liliana in one of my Ooh. FNM prize packs. And uh, it was a really good card in standard at the time. And then uh, I've played with Liliana literally since I started playing again in Innistrad because in modern I play Liliana as well. So uh, I really like Liliana's veil. And black is the best color. Although green is catching up. Black hasn't really done much in the last couple of years, but Wizards <laughs> keeps pushing green. <laughs> Alright. They didn't do Fatal Push. <laughs> Fatal Push is like, okay, but, you know, I, I need, like, the next coming of Dark Confidant. Comes with, like, a 4-4 body. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Krim, coloring card. Uh, favorite color is gonna be blue, and then probably, it's, I think it's, I wanna say Jace the Mind Sculptor, but it, it's gotta be, probably jace bellerin because that when i once i loved grinning demon grinning demon was my favorite card but then but then when planeswalkers like richard brought up got introduced that changed the game for me that was just like that was the coolest thing in the entire world and jace bellerin uh drew cards so i like that jace bellerin is pretty sweet i think it's the most underrated of the jaces in my opinion like it draws you cards how can anyone not love a three mana planeswalker that just draws you a card every turn what you just cast <laughs> yeah, divination and eventually became uh <laughs> It became a hero's downfall, or I guess a ruinous path eventually, right? For for Mind Sculptor, but yeah, like I love that card. It was, it was also just the art was so cool, the robe, the the markings on the robe. I thought it was also just in, like well designed. Yeah, definitely a cool card. Well, for me, it's also blue. I like drawing cards. Although, as far as my favorite card. That's a really tough one. It's either Blood Moon or Panharmonicon. I think Blood Moon wins out. I just love making people not be able to play Magic. That's my favorite thing. I want to draw cards so I can play lots of Magic and also make you not be able to cast any of your cards. That's the perfect game of Magic for me. So I'm going to go Blue and Blood Moon, I think, for that one. Does that mean you're a Blue Moon player? (laughs) I actually don't really play Blue Blue Moon. I usually I want to play my Blood Moons on turn one so my opponent can't crack a fetch and get out from under it. So I just play like simian spirit guides and rituals and try to get people and then lose horribly most of the time <laughs> i had that happen i think at some kind of like uh pptq like someone someone like it was against affinity and they had the mox opal like all, all the crazy start and i i was like ah it's fine i'll just start with creeping tar pit and i put this in a play tap and then i just got blood moon i was like all right well this game's over uh, right. i'm gonna lose to this mem night <laughs> 
All right, so let's move on from Origins, and we got a couple other quick topics to hit before Fish Mail. First off, today is Ultimate Master spoiler season. Well, the start of it. We have a two-day spoiler season for the rest of Ultimate Masters. Today and tomorrow, full set on Wednesday. So we're not going to go over all the individual cards. We'll have a a daily spoiler video to talk about it. But did want to mention a couple of big-picture type Ultimate Masters stuff. So first off, uh, what do you guys think of the set in terms of how good it is. There was a huge complaint when it first came out with the MSRP going up, boxes, uh, MSRP is like 335 but they're selling for like 260 to 280 What do you think of the value of this set? Like, now that we're seeing many of the cards, is it worth getting a box even though the MSRP and the cost of a box is a bit higher? Yes. <laughs> I I think this the set is insane like on, on value. There's so many things that I want from this set at all rarity so or I mean at rare. Like <laughs> there like you have you have like cool cards. You have like hierarchy of all like the the creature lands. You have engineered explosives which is like $80 or something like that. <laughs> like there's just so many things I want from this set. Yeah. Oh, man. It it looks really insane. I've been trying to keep like a running total of the expected value, and it's a little complicated because of the foil in every pack thing, and also like how do you value the box topper if you buy a full box, but it's really like right now, it's, it's close to $500 of expected value, so I think even if you are spending $280, $300 for a box, you're still going to get your value worth, and we'll see. We still have like maybe half the rares to go. So maybe we'll see a huge string of like completely bulk rares and be disappointed. But right now, there's very few bad cards in the set. Like the bad cards are five to ten dollar cards, vexing devils and squeeze and wall of reverence stuff that still actually is worth. You're not going to be completely disappointed to open it. So I feel like they finally actually nailed it for a master set. And even though you got to pay a little bit more for it, I think it's definitely going to be worth it in the end what's the variance look like like how much does this hinge on opening like a good box topper versus opening i don't know tassiger so the box topper i have just been (laughs) kind of completely leaving leaving that out of my calculations oh it's 500 even at zero for box topper if you count the foils and once we get the rest of the set yeah it's going to be close to 500 even not considering the box topper as part of the value at all. Oh, that's really good. That means I might yeah. actually be able to get some of these new art timer guys. And the other thing that's really impressive is as of prices right now, and I've been using like eBay buy it now to try to get like the most up to date prices. Uh, as far as the mythics, the bad mythics are Lord of Extinction and Balefire Dragon, and they're still like 12 bucks. So unlike some of the past yeah. sets where it's like, Oh, you got to get that Tarmogoy for the Liliana, or you're going to open like a, a Bonfire of the Damned or Tree of Redemption or Comet Storm, some really <laughs> low value rare or mythic rather. In this set, if you open a mythic, you're doing okay like every mythic is roughly worth the price of a pack and a surprising number of the rares are at least worth the price of a pack too we've seen a few duds with the like creature land cycle the worst of the bunch are a little bit cheap tassiger is cheap but even just today we've gotten like Frexian altars like 55 bucks glenelander archmage is like 23 dollars aldrazi conscription there's so many good cards in this set 
that Glenelendra art is like probably my favorite art, by the way, of the, the new things I've seen. That and Bitter Blossom. Uh, yeah, the fairy art is looking super sweet. All these fairy pieces for you. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it's good now. It's here. <laughs> the other thing, I don't know if uh, either of you play Popper at all. I've been getting more and more into Popper. They had a big Magic Online announcement, and now there's like uh, better leagues for Popper, and also you can qualify for the Pro Tour with Popper. But one of the most exciting what? parts of uh, of master sets is you get all these cards that are downgraded from sometimes rare but often uncommon to common and they suddenly become legal and poppers so i'm really keeping my eye out for more of those cards right now the big one is uh fire ice is being printed at common for the first time and fire ice is an insanely good magic card it's like borderline legacy playable it doesn't see as much play now as it used to but it was a legacy playable card at one point so going down to common gonna be really interesting to see how this set shakes up the format anyway uh any other ultimate masters thoughts before we move on full spoilers on wednesday so we got we have like two days of spoilers because (laughs) it makes sense because we got most of the or all of the mythics last week or two weeks ago when they did the box toppers so we just have rares commons and uncommons and the goldfish previews coming out tomorrow yeah yes tomer gets to spoil a card he's so excited (laughs) first ever tober spoiler <laughs> that's pretty that that's that's awesome I'm excited uh, all right so before we get to fish mail we have one other topic for today which is kind of walking the line between magic arena and also a new game called artifact so we got a big post on magic arena about the fifth card problem this week and then we had this artifact release so richard why don't you tell us uh, what's going on as far as the economies in these two games all right so magic arena so two things happened we got direct challenge that was the first thing that happened this week and then the second thing was they they made a post addressing the fifth card problem and it was basically the biggest non-answer post i've ever seen if they basically said yes we understand it feels bad but if we change it people are gonna game the system so hold on and that was basically their post and what they're saying basically is they have some formula for the rate at which you acquire cards and that is fixed right they're not changing it they're not going to be more generous and what they're going to do is either front load or back load or change how you achieve that rate but that rate is the same so the fifth card problem if your problem is acquiring cards too slowly this doesn't fix anything when they fix it uh it will adjust things but the rate at which you fill out your collection will remain the same So what they're saying is the economy is how it is, deal with it. In contrast, (laughs) Artifact uh, is the new game by Valve. Uh, It's based off Dota, created by Richard Garfield. We've alluded to it before. Came out of its NDA uh, this week. And when it came out of its NDA, people were upset. (laughs) So Artifact released their economy. And basically, there's no way to grind new cards for free. So basically, the, the gist of it is you need $20 to even make an account. You get two starter uh, decks, and then you have to pay to buy packs, and you have to pay for competitive events, which give rewards. And there's no way to practice draft and things like that. And people, like, people were really... I've never seen so many people upset at a game that was never released since... Well, actually, that, that's live. We just had Diablo... <laughs> Uh, mobile <laughs> but <laughs> people are upset but what did valve do valve just turned around 
released a statement in a day and said, hey, we heard your complaints. You know, we're going to give everyone free phantom drafts. We're going to address, they also had a fifth card problem, which is duplicate heroes. Uh, they're they're going to address that. And all of a sudden, Valve is a savior. Now for $20, you can play unlimited drafts and things like that. So the the contrast in how they handle these situations is quite stark, right? Arena, we've been talking about fifth card problem for so long. Valve gets a little press and then boom, they, they, they swap it around and suddenly they're the good guys. So I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I know I've been following Val, uh, Valve and Artifact a lot. Krim has. Seth, you were tweeting about it. You somehow made it into the Artifact subreddit. <laughs> what, what, what do you think? Uh, so, well, from my perspective, I was mostly just impressed with the speed of which uh, Valve handled the situation. Like, I've been so used to Arena, where Arena is making a lot of positive strides, but with the economy stuff in specific, the history of it, someday I'm going to write the complete history of Arena, and oh man, it's going to be very interesting, but I, it, there's a lot of, like, misdates and like, oh, we'll say something on this day, and then a couple weeks later they actually say something, but they don't really say anything. So it's been dragging on for months and months now, six months, I think, since they first admitted that they needed to change things. And longer than that, if you go back to the feedback they were getting from people in the beta. So to see Valve just be like, all right, uh, on a Sunday, the day after this big thing happens and everyone's complaining, to just be like, all right, we're not only fixing this, but they didn't say, oh, we're going to fix this uh, in quarter one of 2019, which I think is the last thing we heard from Arena. They were like, we're going to fix this immediately. We're patching today and the rest of the stuff will be up within a couple of weeks so i was very impressed with just how decisive and fast valve handled things compared to what i'm used to with magic where the process is so slow there's a lot of like pushing things down the road to the future and not really fixing things so uh, i was impressed I, a lot of people seem to think that artifact was like borderline dead <laughs> in the water the day that it actually <laughs> dropped the nda but i feel like this change has bought a lot of goodwill from the community and people are maybe going to give it a second chance now i i mean like artifact is i don't know like the phantom draft stuff you don't get to keep any of the cards though right you don't you still don't get to really build a collect yeah you don't still you still don't like own any of the cards so how are you gonna they need to fix that grinding issue like how how am i going to acquire cards because a lot of card games nowadays require you to uh cater you uh, cater to like you know the the free-to-play crowd well well, here's the thing so with hearthstone uh, I can play basically for free uh, Arena and Brawl, right? So you, unless, like, I don't play hardcore, but, you know, the, the daily rewards and things like that and my wins allow me to, quote-unquote, go infinite in Arena. In reality, I can't just play continuously, but I play, like, you know, a couple times a week, it's fine. With Artifacts, right. you can now play the Phantom Drafts for free. And I think there's a cooldown. You can't just do it continuously, but, like, once a day or whatever. I think the cooldown's 30 minutes or something. With Arena... I can't. I have to actually put money in to play sealed, right? And to play draft. And the problem right. is, if I'm just a draft only player, if I'm a limited only player, I can't even, like, I'm building a useless collection. I can't convert that collection back into entry for the next draft. So for constructed players, you're going to have to buy packs, right? That, that part is clear. There right. is a marketplace similar to Magic Online where you can actually freely buy and sell cards. Uh, and that, that part is staying. But for the free players, you now have phantom drafts where you can keep playing and practicing. You don't build your collection, but you can just play after that initial $20 fee. So I really like 
that part of it where you can just casually pay $20 and it's it's just like any other game you can just keep playing at your own pace play with bots play play your phantom drafts with other people and stuff like that see i i like knowing that i'm building a collection in some way like after all that playing like i i just feel like not getting anything kind of upsets me <laughs> so do you, do you, are you <laughs> like still I'm upset a whale? at valve I'll- after the announcement that because it's still expensive to I'm, play I'm right a- you, it's $20 startup yeah, plus like- zero uh, you say you have to Correct. buy packs, pay to make an account, and then pay yep. again, right? So I still have a problem with that. It's basically the magic online model, which is quite interesting. Like, I, I wonder if Richard Garfield invented all of this, right? Like, like well, literally <laughs> the magic online model where you have a client and you actually need to pay before you can even get started. And then once you get inside, you got to pay some more. The interesting, yeah, that, <sighs> the interesting part with Garfield is he really hates uh, kind of the free-to-play model, and he thinks it's predatory and uh, is geared towards uh, feasting off of people that get addicted to the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if the reason that we feasting. Uh, that we are seeing this is uh, is because of Garfield's I, influence. I if you've ever read it. like his manifesto, he is very anti the kind of the free-to-play model. I, I read that, right? And he's very like, you can't take advantage of whales and things like that, right? But you're looking at the father of loot boxes himself, right? <laughs> Richard Garfield invented loot boxes. So I I don't believe it. And, you know, the his his brainchild game of 2018 still has loot boxes in it, right? So maybe maybe when he was, you know, he he had a, an epiphany. He's like, when I was young, I made loot boxes. That's a bad idea. But Artifact has loot boxes still. So I don't buy that for a second, right? Like, he, like... If you made magic today and kids are playing it in school and it's widely popular, it would be banned. Like I, I told you, like when I was a kid, it was banned, right? It was like considered gambling or, you know, something not right for little kids yeah. to be doing. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it is loot boxes, right? And it's just, it's just not as prevalent as digital games. It's not as easy, right? You got to go to the local game store to get a loot box. Whereas with like a game on your phone, you can just keep pressing. So, but it's the yeah. same thing. It's loot boxes, though. So it's actually quite interesting that it shares so many similarities with Magic Online, even though the rest of the CCG world has kind of gone away from that. Like the ability to buy and sell cards. Like, what is that? I thought we moved away from that. But <laughs> artifacts bring it all back, right? Like maybe this is the right way to do it. So I- I'm actually very curious to see where <laughs> this all ends up. Because remember Blizzard did this with Diablo when they launched Diablo. Uh, they had a real money auction house where you can exchange goods and they rolled it back. They, they went all the way back on that. So I, I wonder if, you know, artifacts can have to do a, a similar thing down the line. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. So I gotta, I gotta ask you guys before we move on to fish mail, which we do need to do soon. Uh, Artifact was getting a lot of hype from Hearthstone players, from Magic players. Uh, there was the Arena subreddit. There was a lot of people that were saying things like, "Oh, like Arena's great, but just wait till Artifact comes out. It's gonna crush it." Has this NDA drop and the kind of like soft release of the beta? Has that changed your thinking? Like, are we still thinking this artifact is just going to come out and like dominate the market as far as uh, digital CCGs, or is it going to be something less than maybe was thought or feared, depending on what perspective you're coming from? It's it. I, I personally think it's not going it, to. It's it's good. It's going to be awesome, like a fun game to play, but it's still hard to watch. Uh, Magic's still a little easier to follow. Hearthstone's a little bit easier to follow. Uh, the I don't know. I I think the game is fun. 
think, I think the game is fun. I don't I don't think it's going to be the destroyer of all card games. I also don't even feel like it's a card game. I feel like it's more of a board game. Doesn't it just look like a board game when you like see like all three Did lanes? You still build decks. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I mean, like, does I that, mean, it definitely feels feel different than any other card game we've ever played. And I originally thought it was going to be the destroyer of worlds. It was going to eat up everything. But now that I look at it, I think it's going to be destroyer of magic. If anything, it's it's like. <laughs> It's very really? hard, right? It's a very complex game. So I think the Hearthstone right. crowd is actually untouched by this, right? If if Hearthstone is the easier, you know, I can play in five minutes on my toilet, on my phone, right? Like, Artifact will never take <laughs> over that, right? But Magic is where, you know, the, the big minds go, right? Like, Hearthstone's too simple. We need instants. We need a stack, right? It's, like, all complicated, <laughs> Like, Artifact is just that to the next level, right? So do we have room for middle ground? Or, you know, will people just play Hearthstone? And then if they want something more complex, they play Artifact? Or can we actually have Artifact, Magic, Hearthstone? Like, Magic being in the middle. And I don't know. Because I think the overlap of Artifact and Magic will be much higher than Artifact and Hearthstone. Interesting. I I definitely agree with that. Like, anybody that was going to play Hearthstone probably won't care about Artifact at this yeah, point. Yeah, and the now. overlap of Dota and Artifact is, like, zero. <laughs> like, if you play MOBAs <laughs> and you try to play this, like, it's really hard. It's like playing a new game. So I, I think yeah. the majority of Artifact players will come from... Like, I don't know, like a chess background or a magic background or, or something, you know, something that's like very difficult and like that kind of thing rather than just like, you know, I, I play Yu-Gi-Oh and let's go play Artifact. It's going to be a much bigger <laughs> leap for you. I mean, we saw I mean, you have like, a lot of the oh, best yeah. Hearthstone streamers uh, or most famous Hearthstone streamers kind of being like, uh, this game is it's too much for me. I, I'm, I can't do it. I'm going back to Hearthstone. So if some of the best and most like accomplished Hearthstone players are feeling like that, imagine, you know, just the casual Hearthstone player. Like, there's no way it's going to be able to draw from that audience, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, streamability. Yeah. Although oh, streamability is going to be a big thing. So I was actually when I was at TwitchCon, I listened to Ninja talk. And Ninja, who's like one of the, you know, the biggest streamers said, the reason Fortnite Uh is so good is it's perfect for streaming because there's downtime in which, uh, you can chat with your, uh, you know, with your audience and stuff like that. Whereas if you're playing Halo, you kind of got to be like looking at the screen and like doing stuff all the time. So artifacts being hard to understand and being so complicated makes it harder to stream. So I wonder, uh, all these Hearthstone streamers, you know, Hearthstone's relatively simple, there's a lot of animations, and you can talk while the other person's going. Uh, I wonder if that just makes it more stream-friendly, and therefore it maintains its foothold. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, because I've noticed that with myself a little bit, even going back and forth from Magic Online to Arena. I feel like on Magic Online, because of how the timer works, I can sit there and talk with chat for like two straight minutes if I want to, or like pull up a deck list and talk to them. But on Arena, it it does keep it moving a lot quicker. So that's something I've even had to kind of adjust to, the quicker pace of play. So I could definitely see that being uh, a bigger issue with those other games as well. Anyway, uh, we should probably get some fish mail. We're running a bit long, so Richard, give us some fish mail before we run out of time. All right, if you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Thibault Jesse, if the ideal deck is the minimal number of cards to reduce variance, why doesn't every modern deck play four street race, four Mishra's bobbles uh, to be a 52-card deck? 
and then you can play Urza's Bobble in Legacy. You can Taxi Pro bring it down to 44 in Legacy. I mean, you still gotta actually kill your opponent somehow. <laughs> I, I, those cards are great, and maybe it's arguable that they should be played more, uh, played more in certain archetypes, but I think I think it makes sense to play them as filler if you have nothing else you want to play in your deck. We've seen some decks like that. We have a Belcher deck that we're playing for Much of Brew coming up that does exactly that. It plays all the pieces it needs, and then it devotes eight slots to Manamorphose and Street Wraith just to reduce the size of the deck. So if you're running out of good cards to play, I can see that argument. But if you're replacing uh, cards that are important to the theme of your deck with random filler cards, then I think you are arguably just weakening your deck. So one thing I noticed when playing these kind of decks is the information matters. So first of all, you have to pay life for all these things like Street street Wraith, uh, Gitaxian Probe. So that actually is a drawback, but also mulliganing and making game choices. Uh, like let's say that Git Probe was supposed to be a land and your opening hand is a one lander and a get probe or zero lander and a get probe like you don't know what that card is so you know you're deferring some information same with bobble right you don't draw till the next uh the next phase so it's some information loss there uh steve monty 215 after the non-game five in pro tour guilds of ram okay everyone's talking about the new mulligan rules i wonder if the mulligan scry rule came about because of a similar singular event is there precedent for changing a rule because a high profile player suffered like this do you remember Hmm. when the vancouver like i mean it was the pro tour in vancouver but did anything happen at that pro tour to create the vancouver mulligan i don't remember there being any specific specific uh, situation that caused it to happen Hmm. But there is precedent for stuff like we, we talk about this a lot in the podcast. Brian Kibler uh, played in an event of Magic Online. It crashed, and then he was just given his like ten dollar entry fee back for ten hours of work. Uh, <laughs> he was upset, boycotted Magic, and then they they ended up like rehauling the system. So uh, when big stuff like this does happen, like Wizards actually does take a look. Although it's worth mentioning in this case, LSV posted his tournament report and he said he doesn't think they should change the mulligan rule. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stevel, Seth, you're one of the content producers that I can listen to while getting my morning run or bike ride and still easily visualize the game state. How intentional is your play by play style of commentary? Uh, not really intentional at all. Like, that's just naturally... I didn't sit down and think, oh, I'm going to do it this way on purpose. That's just kind of naturally how I narrated my games, and uh, I got lucky, and it worked out that people tend to like that style, apparently. At least some people do, so... It was not a conscious choice at all, though, to try to narrate in a specific way. Uh, next question. Pietro Body 1. To help reduce variance, monocolored, untapped, unfetchable lands that cycle for colorless. Too good? Wait, what? What does this do? Wait, read that. Read that one more <laughs> time. colored untapped, unfetchable lands that cycle for colorless. Like you cycle for free, so, and you, it's it's like a spirit, a simian spirit guide. Hmm. Or, huh? Or it's like a barren moor. Yeah. I'm, oh, man, I'm, maybe it's like barren moor, but it's colored instead of colorless, so you can cycle it away for another. Oh, like okay. basic land cycling. So I think that those would not be printable. I know that they have a rule where basically a land can't be better than a basic land. Uh, so I think that that's, uh, that would not work to have a one color untapped land that had an upside. All right. I'm going to stealthily check Reddit now 
as I read this next question. <laughs> Manamorphose. <laughs> What's it looking like for <laughs> Ultimate Masters? <laughs> I can confirm it has not been spoiled while we've been podcasting. <laughs> so, do we think Manamorphose getting a comeback? Um, I I can see it. It could definitely happen. All right. I could definitely see it at Uncon- Un- Uncommon or something like Penguin that. Penguin Pioneer. Which member of the team is the biggest Vorthos, Spike, Mel, Timmy, Tammy, Johnny, Jenny? All right. Krim, what <laughs> are you? I mix up those names. I, I, I mix up those names all the time. I, I don't know. Uh, I have pet cards. <laughs> that, that, that one. Wait, is that, is that <laughs> I try a Johnny, to for- then? I try to force... Is that a Johnny? I I force cards in modern. Even, uh, <laughs> so 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 Johnny yeah, slash Spike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, go, with Seth. That. Which one are you? Uh, I'm probably like Johnny slash maybe Timmy. Timmy just likes big things, right? Yep. You're not a Timmy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never seen right. you cast like a vanilla nine mana nine nine. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of like. Omniscience to cast overflowing insights. That's, that's gotta be creatures, Johnny, right? Then that's okay. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm thinking of the wrong. Like when I think Timmy, I think like like Crawworm. Yeah, craw like Crawworm <laughs> is my jam. Like Emrakul. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, then just just Johnny. We'll go with straight up Johnny. All right. Very maybe a tiny bit of Spike mixed in, but pretty much Johnny. I think I'm a Timmy now. <laughs> I think I'm pretty much Timmy. I'm like. <laughs> Get, show me that like eight mana fifteen fifteen. <laughs> like, like show it to me. Give it hexproof for good measure. <laughs> Colossal Dreadmaw, your new favorite. And then when it dies, like make twenty more of them for no reason. <laughs> it's like if an opponent removes this from the game. No, no. It's like choose target opponent. When this creature leaves the game, like that opponent loses the game. <laughs> Just cannot interact with it in any. You gotta like phase it out or something. Like that's all you can do. <laughs> Uh, accordingly, 23, if you were to play uh, Team Trios event with any teammates, who would they be and what format would each player be in? All right, if we go to the next trio, Grand Prix, how okay. are we divvying Ooh. up the formats? Not Legacy. That's what I call. Oh, hmm. I, I guess, what would you want to play, Richard? Oh, I, I want to play Legacy, but I haven't played Legacy in so long. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> oh, I, I would, hmm. I would want either legacy or modern probably because either way i can just play turn one blood moon so all right <laughs> yeah and i'd want modern or standard all right i'll i'll go standard crim can go modern seth can go legacy all and right we can go for i don't really drop and then we can <laughs> do it's okay we'll play side and events we right after. Our band afterwards <laughs> we, we, maybe we should like audition you know at the next pro tour lunch we, we could like be the cover band <laughs> just just set up right right in the center hall yeah. <laughs> plug in a small little amp <laughs> all right careless rex 78 seth i'm getting ready to buy nomoto to get more practice with my paper deck my question is what set of tron lands and basic force should i use Ooh. Oh well, uh, use the original Tron lands. 
I would say. Uh, you can get them from Master's Edition. So I would go with those for the Tron lands. There's some new promos that don't look too bad, but they don't have the old border, so eh, they don't really count. Forests, I like Mirage. My favorite non-promo basics are Mirage basics, and the forests are very colorful and look pretty sweet. So I would go with Mirage Forests and Old School Tron lands. You could also... Not mix and match? That, that's the other option. You could also just play like some white borders, <laughs> some originals, some promos, and really... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really tilt people. <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> I like revised lands. Man. Revised lands are like beta lands, but affordable. So <laughs> revised lands. Uh, is it Onslaught? Mirage is a good block. I think I have Onslaught lands. I don't remember. There's some actually some pretty sweet old basic lands. Like everyone... Everyone uses like these full art lands nowadays, but that's not the right way to do it, kids. We gotta, we gotta get like obscure lands that people don't see. So when they see it, they're like, hey, that looks cool. What set is that from? Instead of, hey, it's that same full art land that everyone else got from the last set, right? Like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta spice it up. Like ninth edition island. <laughs> I, I keep, a, no, I don't, I don't I like new a... white bordered. <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> I keep a set of, like, 25 of each white borderland just for decks that are kind of trolly. So when I feel like it's kind of like a janky trolly deck, I'll play white borders on, <laughs> on purpose just for those decks. <laughs> I mix and match every art of my... I, I, I crack my Expedition Scalding Tarn to pull, like, a ninth Ed Island. <laughs> you, know, you know, speaking of white borders, I think I talked about this, but one time at FNM, I built white border standard deck. So, uh, it's a completely standard legal deck with only white bordered cards. And this was like, I think return to Ravnica time. I think we should do this, Seth. This is, <laughs> Seth, we, we need to get you on this 100% white bordered standard deck. Did you win any games? I actually won one game. <laughs> I won one game. A, a match a or a game? <laughs> a game. I won one game. Uh, I, I was trying to curve out into Sarah Angels. It, it was not happening. It was not. It was not able to like battle Thragtusk. But you know, I, I got. I got someone, and it was like a real game where I got them. Five. It wasn't like they got they balled to three and like got mana screwed. <laughs> All right, that could be a good against odds episode. Maybe I'll try to build white bordered standard. There's like no synergy. <laughs> Uh, if you're trying to play standard. Darth Rook, thoughts on no quest win progression for playing with friends? Why? A small percent abuse. Who cares? Make it fun for 95% of us who won't. Um, Wizards likes their money. So you can't even finish quests while challenging a friend? No, it's also a new feature, though. Uh, so. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll change it in the like, future. It's still in beta, right? So, I mean, uh, as it moves out of it. <laughs> Is it really in we beta? Hope. Like, we're not getting a wipe anymore. It, it's still... It, it, okay, it's still in a beta. <laughs> Is it going to be like Gmail, where it's like beta for the next five years, even though everyone is using it? <laughs> but yeah, that's weird. I... I I, I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure they're gonna fix this, and I'm sure they're gonna steal the Hearthstone challenge a friend or something, or like challenge a friend that hasn't played in a month or something, and get more stuff to uh, get players back into the game that that stop playing Arena. They really need to just add best of three. The best of one challenge is so weird, but I know they are they are working on that, so that will be coming eventually. Ah, uh, yeah. Once you can challenge best of three, you can definitely play test a lot more. How too. to tell your software is yeah. not built correctly? <laughs> Like, why can't they just roll it out right now? Like, why is it only best of one? I don't, I don't understand. But I was just gonna say, I, th I think that uh, the the best of one thing is is a little weird. 
I, I just I'm I'm waiting for it to become best of three because then you can like play test with friends. Uh, then you could like actually see if you can do some real play testing uh, for like events and stuff like that too. Uh, last question: Archange eight five nine four eight three two zero. I picked up a new card game called Keyforge. It's made by Richard Garfield and uses a computer to semi semi randomly generate a unique deck for every deck you buy. All decks are tourney playable from the box for ten dollars. Have you guys heard slash played it? <laughs> all I've all I know about this is I keep seeing really unfortunate names from decks and cards show up on social media <laughs> because of the random generation. So there's occasionally like some really kind of questionable names that are randomly generated. You would think they would exclude certain certain terms, but apparently they didn't. Wait, the names of the cards are also randomly generated? Is this like Wait, what? Ro- Robo Rosewater, but like an actual game <laughs> where it just like randomly makes up cards and games and there decks? Was, I, I saw one that was like something, some name like King of Racists or something like that was going around <laughs> oh, on social oh, media. Oh, that's the game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've seen that. <laughs> That's all I know about Keyforge. Uh, I've never heard of this. Apparently, Richard Garfield has his hand in every cookie jar. He's just making card games left and right here. <laughs> I love that that's, I know that card. Oh, man. But we, no one has played Keyforge. I have not. No. But it's only $10. Somebody told it's me to play $10. it. I miss, so I miss the good you- old days of games that you just paid for and then just played. Like, no DLC, no loot boxes, no building a collection. Like, here, have my money. Like, have have $350, <laughs> the price of, like, a, a, a next-gen console. Take a box of Ultimate Masters and actually have all the cards in Ultimate Masters. But, like, we can't get any of this. <laughs> Remember when, for I mean, your you birthday, a- you get, like, something, like, you get, like, a game for $30 and it was, like, actually a complete game. It was amazing. You could, you could buy a complete set of Ultimate Masters. It would probably be like a couple back. Oh, oh man, probably like fifteen hundred bucks or something. It would be a lot, and that wouldn't even be a playset. That would just be one ofs. It's a new, it's a new business, and you got to get one of each topper too. <laughs> she had right, right, right on her Christmas list, Santa. I need a complete set of Ultimate Masters playset. So four X of each, please. Box toppers only. You'd have, you'd have to be the best human being for like ten years to get that from Santa. <laughs> Uh, they should just do this for like magic tournaments. I don't understand why they don't just give this like stuff out at like grand prix and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not a cash prize, but like it's worth a lot. And it costs them nothing to print. Like a box topper, just give that out at a no, grand prix. No, no, like a, a full it, set. Oh, like, just, let's say just you top. Because? Let's say you top sixty four the grand prix after <laughs> ultimate masters comes out. Everyone just gets a full playset, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, no, no, like, like top 64. <laughs> on top of your normal prizes. Yeah. On top of your normal prizes, everyone just get a full play set of this. Like, congratulations, you can play modern now. Uh, that would be kind of interesting. They gave out those sets at, like, the Hascon thing. They were just, like, handing out sets to people. But maybe they should do more of that. But wouldn't you rather just have money? Like, if you had to choose between money and magic Yeah, but Watsy can't afford to pay it. everyone $5,000, but they can't afford to print, like, $3 of cardboard and give it to everyone, right? Yeah, that's that's true. A way to up prizes without really spending more money. Actually, Adam, this is, this is how you, like, screw up the economy. <laughs> I mean, they can just theoretically just print all these cards, buy this of the SCG, and fund some development, right? Like, this is how you, like, screw everything up, so, like, no, don't do this. Uh, so, that's all our fish mail. 
Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTGoldfish with the hashtag MDGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 198 of the Goldfish Podcast. So, Richard, Krim, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. And one last time, thank you to our sponsor, Spikes Academy, where this week for Black Friday from the 19th through the 26th, you can get 40% off their e-learning course. So check them out as well. Thank you to them for their support. Anyway, thanks again for listening, everyone. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever's happened in the magic world. Until then, this is the crew signing out. <laughs> <laughs>